We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Hot. I'm Bladen Kirk, joined as always by my two favorite co-hosts of all time, Matthew Spinauer and Theo Ash. On today's episode, we have a very special, special guest and an NBA draft expert in Chip Jones. Welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you. Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited to get going. So we're going to obviously preview the NBA draft, of course, and then recap the NBA finals a little bit later. But before we get into that, how's everyone doing, Matt? Theo? Chip, of course. I always get caught by surprise with how soon the NBA draft is after the finals. As a primarily football guy, I'm like, oh, we've got months and months and months to like talk about the draft and whatnot. And in the NBA, it's like, oh, season's over, draft now. And so I'm glad that we have a... So I have no time to look at the prospects <laughs> after it because I like don't know what it is. So I'm glad that we have the opportunity to talk with uh, someone who does. I like it. I think the NFL draft process drags on for such an insane amount of time. I mean, you're going on like four or five months of just like draft stuff if your team's bad. Even with the NBA, it's not that long, even if your team is out of it really early. So I'm pumped for it. I don't know. I was going to ask, like, do you have problems scouting players, Chip, like, while the season is happening? Like, do you find that annoying? Because I always kind of think think it's nice that I have the time where no games are happening. I'm not missing anything. Like, if I had to scout during the season, I would probably watch less football. So do you, do you have problems with that? Does that annoy you? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely pretty tough, especially, like, because, like you said, with NFL, like, it's, like, one game every weekend. Obviously, it's, like, longer, but you, you guys probably get, like, the condensed film at some point if you're trying to grind through that. So, it's, like, for us, it's, like, there's pretty much a game on someone's playing every day, as well as the prospects, like, in the NBA. So, it definitely can get pretty tough. Uh, usually, I'm watching between, like, maybe, like, five to eight games a day. So, it's definitely a lot of work, but... You know, you kind of just got to pick something and prioritize it sort of, I guess. How do you get, do you get overseas? Like, obviously a lot of prospects aren't from America playing in college leagues, which is another another thing. Is it difficult to get like film on some of these like European guys? Um, Yeah, I mean, it definitely can be. Like access to film is somewhat somewhat challenging, especially at the start. There's like pretty good channels that upload a lot of the stuff for to YouTube. And like a lot of the overseas leagues actually just like, let you sign up for an account to like Australia. The NBL has a lot of big ones. There is just free on YouTube. Like all the games just get put on there. So it's not that bad. Um, I have instat access though, so I can just like look up any game that's ever played and just download it. So not too bad once you figure out some way to get access to something. Right, right. Well, going into the draft then, um, just general strategy, I think like Obviously, in the in the NFL, there's the whole debate: best player available versus like a fit on your team. Um, what is your philosophy with that? If if you were running a team, and would you just take the top player on the board all the time, or or do you think like 
filling needs matters more or less or, or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty big on, so the way I view it is like the, the best player available that you can provide the context to develop. Cause some people, like some players need specific things in their context to like actually succeed. Like if you get a guy who's like a, a rim protecting center and you have terrible perimeter defenders, if you just throw a rookie center out there and tell them to like play drop coverage and they're like guard is like Trey Young on the pick and roll, like that's just not going to, they're not going to develop because it's just, you're putting them in such a bad position. So, I mean, I just look at like what team a player can like develop well with and then like putting them in a situation that they can like, for example, like the Lakers with LeBron, like most of their offense is just running pick and roll through LeBron, like switching on to finding the weakest defender and just attacking them. So if you get a guy who's like really likes to play with the ball in their hands, like Taylor Horton Tucker kind of has this issue where he likes to play with the ball in his hands, but he's next to LeBron. So it's like, he doesn't get the ball. So it's not really a great context for them to develop in. So I think like you just got to look at like who, what type of like offense you run, what type of skills like are needed to succeed and just pick the best player who can like fit those skills. What team do you think is the the best at that? Do you have any, do any like stick out in your mind as being like really good? Um, yeah, I would say probably Memphis. I think Memphis okay, is up there. Yeah. I think um, it, it's weird because there's a lot of different schools of thought. I think there's some teams that are like so focused on player development and like prioritizing certain skills, like the Raptors, like getting like really long athletic guys. Um, and then like teams like the thunder, like they're just shooting for upside. So they try and turn everyone into a ball handler. So it's like they, they've drafted Darius Baisley and for like five years, they've just been trying to get him to handle the ball and it doesn't work very well. And like, it's funny cause the first year they had like Dort and Baisley and they made the playoffs with Chris Paul that one year. And both of those guys like broke out towards the playoffs where like everyone was super hyped about them as young players. And then now we're like three years down the line and like Chris Paul's left and the team's not very good. And they're literally just like trying to get those two to run pick and roll for three years and it hasn't worked yet. So it's just like all the hype has kind of died down because they don't let them focus on like developing the like ancillary skills. It's just like handle the ball. Right, right. No, I agree. I think the Tim, not the Timberwolves, I think the Thunder are kind of coming up to the point where people are going to get really tired of like, oh my God, we have all of these picks in the future. And I, and I saw they traded... Uh, their thirtieth for another like far off future pick. Eventually, people are gonna, you know, the expectation for them is going to be that they actually have to start winning. Yeah, for sure. That's gonna be. It's gonna be. I think. Uh, I think we got one more year of losing. And yeah, they've think, got think one more. Any any team that's like currently tanking is gonna keep tanking. I think because next year's draft class is like really very 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 strong at the top. Do you think there are any like? talking about like players developing in systems are there any fits between the prospects some of the prospects this year that you just really love like oh my god you know chat to any of the teams or <laughs> even further down the line like late in the lottery or, or later than that that you just love this player to this team yeah i mean there's a couple i don't know if they'll i don't know if they'll get to line up one of my favorites is like dyson daniels to new orleans i think that's like a picturesque fit because I think last year you had like Lonzo in New Orleans and or not last. Well, yeah, last year, I guess. But, you know, when you had Lonzo in New Orleans, him and Zion worked really well off of each other. And I think Dyson offers a lot of like similar skills. So I think like being able to get a another like long perimeter defender who can like kind of handle the ball and like pass and just play smart off of their stars would be like phenomenal. I, I also think like Chet to Houston. I really, really like that fit, but it's never going to happen because I don't think he's going to fall past two. So, but, you know, it is what it is, right? I've seen some people put Jaden Ivey up in sort of that top three tier one. Do you buy into that or do you see him as, as like pretty solidly a tier below that? Um, I think Chet and Paolo are like by far and away the two best prospects and they're kind of in their own tier. I think they're pretty close. And then I think Ivy's kind of in a tier by himself behind them as like the third best guy. So you'd say Jabari then is, is even a tier below Ivy. Yeah, I would say so. I'm Could asking because I have a dynasty league and I have the third overall pick. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm trying to Dude, figure out fantasy what to teams. Do. It's one of the, sometimes in drafts like this, you get in a situation where the pick is kind of made for you. Like I think about that for like the Hornets with LaMelo Ball. It's like, yeah, they were just going to take whoever fell to them. So that's how what I'm hoping it ends up playing out like. But For someone who's completely like doesn't know anything about these prospects, could you break down kind of like the general overview of those top four and what you think their strengths and, and weaknesses are and maybe why you ranked them in that way, one through four? Yeah, of course. Um, 
So I think the first thing with like, we'll start with Chad, I guess at the top, he's probably my favorite. So I think like, obviously the big thing that everyone thinks about with Chad is like, can he handle the strength? Cause he's strong enough to play on the inside. So I think the, the, the couple ways I look at that is like one, he's very good technically at like preventing himself from really like dying because of contact. Right. So he's really good at like lowering his center of gravity and he'll often like use his arms. So, you know, like players are like backing into him and trying to push into him with their shoulders. He uses his arms like out front. So then like a lot of the push is just absorbed by pushing his arms back. And he's also, he does this thing where like he'll stick like his hips or his shoulders out like in front. So when the, when someone's driving into him, they're trying to get their shoulder into his chest. And if they can, they like throw him off. Cause I mean, pretty thin right but he's really good at preventing them from getting that contact so that's kind of the way i think that he kind of gets around that and i think the other thing is like part of the appeal with chet is that he can be your like primary pick and roll defender if you need but he can also play as like a second side rim protector and kind of really like you know i think a lot of the elite defenses they have a really good rim protector but they also have a guy who can help clean stuff up as well and that's kind of what sets them ahead of the other ones so i'd say chet like you're mainly looking at him as like one of the better defensive prospects out there like in the last few years. So, I mean, you're looking at massive defensive upside. And then I think the other things are like, he has shown some flashes of the ball handling stuff, especially in transition. He's been really, really efficient. It's just like grabbing rebounds and running full court and scoring. I think his, uh, his like points per possession as a transition ball handler is like 1.4. So he's almost, it's getting over a point per possession as a ball handler in transition. It's insane. And then, so I think it's like transition, offense like handling the ball like passing kind of connective passing he's really smart he keeps the offense moving and then he's pretty good like rolling to the rim he's a great finisher and he's a great shooter so i mean you're just looking at a guy who offers a lot of cool skills offensively and then it's like phenomenal on defense who would you comp him to like a, a go go bear or i don't, I don't know, know if he has like a real comp out yeah there, I, mean, honestly. Me? I tend to stay away he's from built like me <laughs> Got that Theo Ash He's NFL got that build. Theo Ash NFL build. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think like some of the, I think some of the ways, the way that I've kind of tried to explain him in like a comp sense is I think like a lot of the reasons that the, like the Bucks offense and defense works are a lot of the things that like Chet is really strong at, right? So like they have Giannis where he's super long and he's like very good at like getting those blocks as like the secondary rim protector next to Brooke Lopez. I think Chet's really good at that stuff. Cause he's got, you know, super long arms. He's really smart. So he always knows where to go. And he's got really good, like hand-eye coordination, getting the ball, like making sure he's not fouling on those. And then also, you know, the bucks, when they get their stops, they love getting out in transition with just Giannis bringing the ball up. So I think when you look at Chet, you know, it's like the transition, bringing the ball up, offering like the secondary rim protection, and then also being able to run five out because your big man can shoot that Brooke Lopez kind of gives you. I think Chet offers a lot of the similar things to that. So like, I don't think those are like player comps, but I think in terms of like how I would operate my team, if I had Chet, it would kind of look similar to what the Bucks do. Cause I think he offers a lot of the same skill sets that like kind of make them as dynamic and unique as they are. Theo, you've you've said that you're maybe not the biggest Chet guy just because he's not really like a number one option type deal <laughs> offensively, and maybe that's what you're looking for with a number one. Well, I fall pick. into the he's built like me criticism. All right, that's that's where I'm at. Like, I think like body type, and and that's not even so much. I think Paulo would probably be my number one just because I I think like I look at him. And I think that it's safer just because Chet doesn't really have a comp and we haven't seen someone quite like him. You, you don't really see someone like him in the NBA right now. And that makes me a little bit nervous, but it also could be exciting because like he's kind of got a superpower in that way where you, you don't see anybody like him and he's still there. So there's two different ways to look at it. Uh, I'm a little wary just when I see someone that thin and maybe that's just my football background being like, you can't be real like thin, bad. You need to be big and basketball is not quite the same thing, <laughs> but I don't know. Just, just got the built like me right. trait. And, uh, that's, that's the only thing really. Um, but yeah, if, I mean, if he's I'd clearly say, yeah, my concern pretty with high his, level. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. I'd say my concern with his like size is definitely more to do with the injury aspect of it than it is like him actually being able to like go out there and defend the inside at a high level in the NBA. I mean, the number of centers that it can actually get through 80 games a year in the NBA, I could probably count on two hands. Um, so I, I think that even if he does do a good job avoiding contact at that size with the number of games the NBA asks, 
I wonder if he has the body type to really hold up through like a 10, 15 year career, or if it'll end up looking like uh, Chris stops or something like that, where he breaks down pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, it'll definitely be interesting. I think um, one thing with like the, haven't seen someone like this before thing. I think Chet and Paolo, like coming into the year, a lot of people looked at Evan Mobley in Cleveland as kind of similar to the chat concerns. And he had a really phenomenal rookie year. And I also think in terms of like a power forward that's creating shots and taking a bunch of jumpers, people looked at Julius Randle, who was phenomenal last year. So coming into this year, a lot of people saw Paolo and they were like, oh, it's like Julius Randle. And then he was horrible this year. So then everyone's like, oh, it's like Julius Randle. Oh, no. <laughs> what do you yeah, think about the good version of Julius Randle? He might be. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Paolo, like for me is like very clearly in the top two. I, I think like, usually I'm very strict in like, this guy is better than the next guy. So like take him, he's the better one between them. I think it really depends on like what you're looking for. Cause I think both of them are just going to be phenomenal players, like phenomenal, phenomenal prospects. Um, so I would say like the big thing with Paolo is like his decision-making and his passing is really, I think kind of getting undervalued. Um, the big thing with Paolo is like the high school tape. Because, you know, you guys, you get like three years of college. We get like one year and sometimes we even play the whole year. So it's like right. we get like 20 games. So we got to look back and look at what they were doing in high school and AAU. And if you look at Paolo there, and even you got to see it at Duke, but not as much. He was like the, he was like a point guard. And he makes like very, very advanced pick and roll reads. And at Duke, he got a bunch of like post touches and isolations, which people are like, oh, he relies on this stuff. But like. I think that was more of just the way Duke used him. And I think that's a big thing with like Chet Paolo and Jaden Ivey, all three of them is like the ways they were used in college is probably not how they'll be used in the NBA. And that's the easiest thing to fix with the prospect is just like the way you're the position you're using them in the role that you're kind of asking them to play. Right. And and right. when you're looking at a guy like Chet, who's a high level defender, do you think that kind of a, that's, that's a skill set where you're like, okay, if he's not super good offensively, at least like let's say he's not super good offensively right away. At least we know that he's going to be a high level defender. Whereas like, if Paulo's offense doesn't immediately transition, you're kind of like, oh no. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely something to consider. I'm pretty confident that Paulo's offense is gonna is gonna translate. I'm like, I'm like 100 confident. Like, I think both of them are kind of no fail guys. Obviously, there's like okay. injury, but like, if we're realistically not project because like they haven't really had injury issues either of them throughout their careers so if we're not going to project that onto them like if things go right they're both going to be great players i would say like the one the reason i i prefer chet by like a hair and the reason why is just because like in nba team building you know you give such a high percentage of your salary cap to your star players so i look at like teams like when you're building a dynasty and you're trying to compete for years and years like you have your core you don't really change out those star players, but you change out the role players around them a lot. So I personally prefer stars that have like plus defensive value because that opens up the pool of what type of role players I can get around them. You know, I'm a Bulls fan. We have DeMar DeRozan as our star player. He's got a lot of obvious limitations. So it means the role players we get around him have to do a lot of specific things really well. Whereas when you look at like Milwaukee with like Giannis and uh, Drew Holiday, like those guys are phenomenal defenders. So they can just sit Pardon. They can just sit Grace Allen out there, and like it doesn't really matter, and he can just shoot, right? I think every basketball guest we brought on is no, a sure. Bulls, I mean, Bulls fan. <laughs> I think like we brought Kenny Beecham on, and Rusty Buckets, and you, yeah. and it's all Bulls fans, all of them. And they've all talked about DeRozan, and they've all talked how about you... <laughs> how the role players. <laughs> anyway, what do you want the Bulls to do this off season? Uh, I want them to just kind of stay the course mainly. I actually don't think you change that much. Really? Yeah, I think people are kind of misunderstanding what the Bulls are doing right now. I think there's like a mis like people think they're really trying to win a title. I think they're just trying to like revive the brand image because like yes, we literally went into a tank and like have you guys heard the Luol Dang thing? They like Luol Dang was like playing hurt and they they asked him to take a pay cut on his contract so that they could like afford to really compete. And then his con they were like, oh, we'll get you back next time. And then he got hurt a bunch and like at the contract ended, they're like, yeah, we're not paying you. <laughs> like, and Oof. they like almost like they messed up some spinal tap surgery, almost died. Like, we Yo. had we went to a tank with one player development staff, like our entire team. We had one person responsible for player development as we entered a tank and then. They would tell like certain players they weren't important enough to take up the player development coach's time. So like, I think they were just trying to like fix the brand image and be like, we're player friendly and trying to compete. Please be willing to come to us in free agency. And then also like just having a competent offense and defense helps you develop young guys. Yeah, so same I with think the that's Knicks. Kind of the goal is to just fix the brand image and like develop players. 
same with the Knicks. I almost feel like some of these big, like classic NBA teams that have been bad for a long time. It's just like, we got to get back to, to relevant. Like it doesn't matter if we're winning a title or not, just like, let's be a destination again. And yeah, I definitely feel like that can be kind of an underrated thing is just like, let's just make the playoffs. That's why I think the the Knicks are always, and they can't get anybody, but like one of these, one of these days, the Knicks are going to trade for like some washed up star, like Westbrook or not Mitchell's not washed up, but like, Someone who can't win a title, maybe, but can just make them good. And people will be like, what are you doing? But they just got to be okay. <laughs> they just got to be like the Knicks again in the playoffs or something like that. But yeah, Bulls, definitely. Um, going down the list, I guess, Ivy is a guy who I think is really like, I've seen his name a bunch pop up. It's like, oh, he deserves to be mentioned in these. You buy into that. What's what's Jaden Ivy's game out of, out of Purdue like? Yeah, I mean, so, like, the obvious, like, I don't know how, how familiar you are with Ivy, but, like, the obvious first thing is, like, he's just, like, a 99.9 percentile athlete. So, I mean, he's genuinely, like, a similar level of athlete to, like, John Morant. So, I mean, he okay. just flies across the court. He's, like, a super powerful mover. And I think the the big concern a lot of people have with Ivy is, like, he's not really a point guard, so he's more of a shooting guard. And they're not totally sure if he can, like, shoot super well because his shooting it's like there's a couple of red flags and then on top of that like he he did well defensively especially as like a freshman and with team usa and fiba but then this year at purdue like there's definitely some like engagement stuff where like he kind of just wasn't really trying that hard on defense so i mean there's like there's a lot of reasons to be concerned with that but like in terms of just getting like an elite level of prospect he's like 20 years old and like an a hundredth percentile athlete and he does have a lot of skill. I think one thing, like similarly to Paolo, uh, like Purdue, they played through their two bigs. They had this like yes. two, they had this like seven four Canadian guy that they played through most of the time, Zach Eady. So like they didn't really let Jaden Ivey run a bunch of pick and roll. But like in the times where he did run pick and roll, he was pretty successful. So I think like looking at Ivy going to the NBA again, it's one of those ones where like you're just getting a really young, phenomenal athlete with like a lot of solid skills and maybe wasn't used in the best role so you didn't really get to see the best out of him in college when you look at like there's some red flag shooting is that from percentages that you look at or is it like his physical shooting form like what do you look at more when you when you judge shooting yeah i mean it's a, it's a lot of things so like one of them is like pull up two point shots is like generally a good indicator of three point shots so it's like pull up two point shots floaters uh free throw percentage and then looking at their shooting percentage, what they shot on the catch and what they shot on the dribble. And then of course, like the mechanics, like what they're actually doing with their shot, right? So Ivy didn't really do super well on pull-up twos or floaters. His free throw percentage is like fine, but not like phenomenal. So there's like a couple of things there. And generally like his shot's a bit mechanical and a bit slow. So he shot pretty well off the catch, but not off the dribble. So it, okay. I think as a, like a catch and shoot floor spacer, all he has to do is like draw a slight closeout and he's just going to blow past the guy. So, I mean, he doesn't really need like to be a phenomenal shooter, but I think he's good enough on the catch. And I think people are underestimating like defenders can't really pressure like the ball with him. Like they can't step up and really get in his face because he's just going to go right past them if they get too close. So they have to give him that room so he can kind of live with a more, you know, mechanical, less like super quick release shot. For sure, for sure, for sure. And then kind of the last guy in the big, the big names is is Jabari. And I've seen some people mock him as high as number one. Like the NBA is really high yeah, on him. Or, or I've something. seen, I've seen, seen one a fair amount. That makes you pretty. Yeah, of course. They've been saying that all year. It's I, I don't like Jabari is a cool prospect. He does a lot of things really well. I like him, but the problem is like people, people put him number one, and I feel like they're just, uh, just saying stuff to say stuff. So like the way I describe Jabari is he's ISO ball for nerds because like <laughs> he do he doesn't pass he, he's he's really bad like in terms of like executing and seeing passes he doesn't really look for them he can't really dribble like his handle is pretty non functional he can't really dribble at all he's just really tall and he takes a bunch of threes and that's mainly what he's offering and that's kind of it offensively. And then defensively, he's truly a phenomenal perimeter defender. He's really light on his feet. But the problem is like people look into like people just say, I feel like people kind of make things up about him. So like first, like they always say he's an elite athlete and there are traits that he's pretty light on his feet and he changes directions pretty well. But at the same time, like 
one thing that kind of historically filters for athleticism with like prospects is like dunks and blocks, just like getting up. And usually you can kind of filter out which prospects are athletic enough and which ones aren't. Jabari had, I think like 12, maybe 14 dunks and a block percentage like below three. If you look at the guys who got drafted in the NBA who are 6'10 and match those things, all of them are just white dudes. It's like Ryan Kelly and like <laughs> like Indiana and Wisconsin bigs. So it's like people label him as an elite athlete, but he's not like he's pretty at 6'10. He's got like a seven foot wingspan. So like he's not a super long wingspan compared to his height. And he's pretty much like exclusively a below the rim player. And then he doesn't really get around screens well defensively. So it's like if he's if he's your perimeter defender and they run pick and roll, he's like not necessarily going to be able to get around the screen and like keep up with the ball handler. So there, there's some athletic limitations that are a little scary. And then like generally dribbling is like one thing you really can't develop. You can get like a little bit better, but you can't like become a good dribbler from being really bad. So it's like when we're looking at, I don't know if you guys have this in football, but in basketball, there's like certain skills we're like really confident we can help a guy get better at yeah. and then ones that we like can't. So for us, it's like three-point shooting and on-ball defense. Those are like the two easiest things to develop. And those are the only two things he's really good at. Yeah, Other than like he tries really hard. In football, there are some things that are hard to develop, but no one realizes this. And any problem I flag with a prospect, people will just be like, oh, I'll just it's, get better at that. And like, it'll oh, be like it'll something like, <laughs> it'll be like the way they like, it'll be like, yards after catch or something like that and just like the physically way way they like solve problems in space and like the creativity of what they do with the ball in their hands it's like you don't just develop that man you either have that or you don't <laughs> or something like that or or like with the offensive It'll be like a lineman. running back can't break tackles <laughs> or like anchor with offensive yeah, linemen like i always the- feel it's like yeah i don't know there's there's a lot of things where i'm like i'm not sure i bank on this to get fixed but people people don't want to ever hear it they're like oh yeah the coaches people have the sports video game it's like the sports video game (laughs) development you get like plus two in every stat because you're a young player right i think i really think that like sports video games totally affect how people look at like like people think team building in the nba is like how team building is on 2k once he gets enough vc we'll just spend it all on his blocking and (laughs) he'll be able to get those numbers up Look, <laughs> just buy the DLC. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's just, why you got drafted. Just him make him one. jump higher. <laughs> like, just, so just, with Jabari, I mean, do you think he's going to be good enough in isolation in the NBA to actually be worth giving those touches consistently for like a really good team? No, that's I, tough. I, yeah, and I think like because <laughs> you're relying on a really perimeter-based shot diet, which like you saw that with like Jason Tatum in the finals, like. That's not really a comparison per se, but just the idea of a player that's super reliant on being able to convert jump shots as a like a wing, that's pretty volatile. And like there are situations where you can't always get those jump shots. And if you can't get those easy shots at the rim, because I think for a, for a guy who's like 6'10, Jabari shot like 43% on twos. And like at the rim in the half court, he was like 56%. Usually for someone at that height, like a good finisher, you're looking at like 70% and above. And he's at like 56. And he's also like he has he's he's got this weird build where like his lower body it's kind of like a like a spider or something he's got like he's super like able to change directions super well he's super like light on his feet and then his upper body's like a lego character like his <laughs> like his body like his torso is like a plank like he cannot bend at all it's just like the arms move so like if you watch him try to drive into the paint it's like really he he can't get up so he's finishing below the rim he can't really like contort around defenders and then he like so the finishing just really so then it becomes like if he can't score at the rim and he's just going to be like a three and d player i look at like guys who have been drafted where it's like oh yeah they're an elite three-point shooter they're big and they're a really good on-ball defender and you get guys like mikhail bridges and otto porter and it's like those guys are great but like or were great at their you know best with Otto, right but like their career highs are like 15 points per game because like even if even if let's say jabari's like the best catch and shoot guy in the league Clay Thompson's getting like six catch and shoot threes a game. If Jabari's like shooting 40% on like six attempts a game, which is like insanely high percentage and volume, that's like 7.2 points a game. Yeah. That's that's a little concerning. So, so do you have him do you have him for yeah. do you have him fourth like on your big board then or do you have even more guys ahead of him? Um I I guess I have Jabari fifth, I guess. Okay. All right. Okay. Who else would be below him then or above him? 
I, I'm a really big fan of Dyson Daniels from the G League Ignite. I think he's okay. going to be a very, very good player. And he's also been flying up in workouts. So apparently he's kind of gone from like, I was kind of really high on him when he was like fringe lotto before this. And now he's getting top five hype. So yeah, I saw a couple mocks of him to the Hornets and I don't know if that's realistic for us anymore. <laughs> um, Probably not. <laughs> As as a Hornets fan, what what do you do? You have any ideas or any thoughts about what maybe they should be doing this offseason, other than finding a coach who actually <laughs> intends to stay with them? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of the like coaching stuff is like an interesting idea. I mean, you definitely you have to pay Miles Bridges this year, right? So you got to right. do that. Yeah. And then I'm not really sure. I think part of their issue is like. I think they need like part of it was coaching because I think Borrego is a good coach, but I feel like they needed someone who's like kind of more uh, who could make their offense like easier, I guess, because the I think one of the problems is like a lot of times with how many possessions there are in basketball, it's just whatever team is the easier strategy to execute will just win just because like there's they need the execution they need on such a lower level. So like if you can just run pick and roll like every possession down the court, that's like the easiest way to score. Like Giannis just runs through a guy and then it's like they scored, right? Right. So that's like super easy. Whereas like I think LaMelo is not really at his best operating in the pick and roll. And so I think part of that might be because they didn't really have like a, a big rim threat. He's never really had a guy who's like a big dunk threat in the pick and roll. And I think looking at him, like his problem is like getting like getting to the rim and finishing is like not necessarily a strong suit. So usually you want a pick and roll partner who can do that. So I would probably, I'd say the biggest priority for me is like getting, getting a pick and roll partner that suits LaMelo really well. It also helped their interior defense a little bit. If you got a guy like that, probably. <laughs> Which is horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Mason Plumlee, Asher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping Kai Jones, I don't know if you liked him last year. I'm hoping Kai Jones can get a little bit more play this year or any of their young players get a little bit more play this I year. I really like JT Thor. I like JT Thor too. And that's, he, I I get why Kai Jones didn't play. Like he was ridiculously raw. Like, of course he's going to take a year in the G league. And I kind of get it with book night, although not really, but JT Thor losing minutes to McDaniels, I thought was pretty rough for them. And I I was very surprised with how bad they were defensively that he wasn't getting a little bit more play. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I wasn't, I wasn't the biggest Kai Jones fan. I generally, I generally tend to stray away from centers who don't want to be centers, but uh, I, I know a lot of my friends who I like really respect the opinions of who are a lot smarter than me did really like him. So, I mean, I, I just, I just tend to be like, all right, maybe I'm wrong on this guy. Yeah. I don't, I, I can't see him as like the Hornets like plan going into the season at center for sure, no. but I'm excited to see him at least get some real minutes. Who are some of the guys? Do like, you have you any think, guys or, that ahead, you feel ahead. like are, <laughs> it's been like the fifth. I was just going to say, if you had any sleepers. <laughs> We're so good at well, next I, Is it the next question on the outline? <laughs> well, no, I, I think like uh, there's just a little bit of lag. But yeah, it's there's just a, like. Yeah, no, there's a delay. It's, there's just a little bit of a delay. <laughs> it's either on my end or Theo's. I can't quite tell, but. It's probably on mine. Um, no, I was just going to ask if you had any, if you had any major sleepers. Yeah. Like I know in our chalkboard chat, they keep bringing up the, uh, oh, I think it's the guy from Kansas. Um, Braun or Igbaji? Ochai? Yeah, I think. Yeah, Ochai. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think so. For me, with Ochai, like he's like, I think he gets a little bit too much trash for like his not being able to handle the ball. I think he's a, a little better than people say, but I think Ochai is definitely like the, the very much the three and D. Like he's the prototypical guy you would want like around like a LeBron. You want because you'd want him to just like be like playing like someone else creates. And so I don't know how you guys would translate this, but in basketball, like there's like advantage creation, right? Someone creates an advantage. They force a second person to come double them or, you know, the defense to collapse on a drive to try and stop them at the rim. And then the ball gets kicked out and it gets moved around until someone can kind of leverage that advantage. And I think Ochai is very much in like the, he wants to be leveraging advantages. He's not going to create them for himself. So I would say like he's probably going to thrive best with like a team that has a really established, good, consistent creator. Then he can be really useful as like a three and D guy. The it, I think NFL equivalent of, of that to like the NFL for that, I think that would be like an interior, like an, an Adamican Sue. That's what yeah, that sounds exactly. like. To me. That's what I was going to say. Just That's someone who absorbs it, absorbs blockers on the inside. Yeah, something like that, basically. Um, so I think like Ochai would be really good at punishing, you know, someone else is getting so much attention. Ochai can punish a 1v1 or whatever, right? Yeah. 
Um, so I would say in terms of like sleepers, are we talking like how deep are we talking? Cause I, is that, are we talking like later well, lotto, like mid first guys or let's am I do supposed both. to go? Like, let's do both. <laughs> let's do both. Let's do okay. both. <laughs> got it. Got it. So, I mean, I guess, uh, Towards the towards the top, my my two guys who I'd really look at is like I think are really getting kind of underlooked. I guess one would be like Johnny Davis, which I think is a really interesting one. Um, I know I think John Hollinger had him ranked 29th on his board yesterday, which was or two days ago or something, which is a bit confusing me. So the thing with Johnny Davis that's really interesting is like he was a sophomore freshman year. He was like a solid role player in Wisconsin, but didn't didn't get a ton of run. And then this year he kind of took over as their like offensive leader. They were projected to finish like towards the bottom of the Big Ten, like not really be a good team. He led them to like the I think they were second in the conference at the end of the year. They were like a top 20 team all year. He was a 20 point per game scorer as like a six, five guard. So the interesting thing with Johnny is that his context was like really, really bad. Like the team is, and you hear like some bad things about like college teams. There were like three dudes other than him on his team that scored more than three points per game. And I think they ranked like 300th in three point percentage and like 280th <laughs> in three point volume. So and Johnny's not really like he's not like a Steph Curry like he's not taking a bunch of pull up threes he's like a drive and get himself to the rim type of guy so he was basically playing with the Jordan rules and he still averaged like 20 <laughs> points per game in a power five conference as a six five underclassman guard and I think you know people are concerned about his shooting percentages which weren't the best but again there's like the context thing and then also he got hurt in like their fourth to last game but he still played three more while hurt and shot really poorly and it dragged his shooting percentages down a ton. So if you look like before that, it's a bit better, I think. But yeah, I, I think Johnny in terms of like, he's just a super, super high motor guy that like plays very good defense and also scored 20 points a game as an underclassman 6'5 guard in a horrible offense. And I think like looking into the NBA, there's a, there's a lot to be excited about as like you can get him in a team that's not as uh, as bad, hopefully. <laughs> And, you know, he's going to, worst case scenario, he's a pretty good scorer who's also a good defender, and that's just a good player. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah. As a Wisconsin fan, I love to hear that. Sort of, not really. I'm not actually a Wisconsin fan. I just like Green <laughs> Bay. But anyway, oh. as someone who okay. knows who Johnny Davis is, <laughs> nice. I love Theo's to hear that. Theo's a fake Wisconsin <laughs> fan. Yeah, have you seen the Taco Bell commercials? I have seen the Taco Bell commercials. <laughs> have you guys ever a, had that in football? Just a uh, like, prospect. So Johnny's like not a top pick. Yeah. Sorry, right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't quite make sense why they've gone with Johnny Davis yeah. before he even gets picked somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't a big fan of the ad. I mean, it's fine. So I'm not really sure if <laughs> his I've acting a was a little. Johnny, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> when you think about selling, like selling <laughs> contact and fouls, I'd like to see a little bit of a better actor there for. Uh, <laughs> An acting performance for Johnny Davis. <laughs> yeah, but you can you can go with the Yo Kiero Johnny Davis campaign with your fans, like as you go into the season, you know. Uh, I, yeah, no, that I would be like if, I'm trying to think that of would NFL be like, players that's happened with who is like a who is like a early second round like wide receiver this year. Be like year. a third round pick. That'd be like Christian Watson. That'd be like Christian Watson. It's just it is a little weird. <laughs> That'd be like Christian Watson being the <laughs> right. face of Taco Bell. So, I know like Saquon, Saquon was definitely doing ads like in his pre-draft. It's, but it's not like an NIL thing, right? Like he had, no, he no. had declared. So yeah, yeah. It's just like, they, no, just they straight up and needed. it was like going on during the finals. Like it was nationally broadcasted. <laughs> right. It's like a, it's like a, like a third round pick at a Super Bowl commercial. This, <laughs> it was just real weird. It was like. Taco Bell's NBA scouts would agree with you, Chip, that he's an underrated guy and he's going to be a star. They, they they looked at everybody and they're like, man, I love what he does. Like the offense was so bad. He's going to be a star. They were pitching him like a NBA front office when they were choosing their guy. They're like, this guy's underrated, I guess. <laughs> Who's a late first round sleeper that you like? Um, I mean, so I would say there's like maybe two guys that kind of jump out to me. So one is like Marjan Beauchamp, who I don't really see as like a late first. I see him as like a end of the lotto type guy. Um, Marjan's really interesting because he has like a really weird kind of wonky path where he was like in high school, he was like a consensus five-star recruit, right? And then he ended up after his sophomore year of high school, he had to move because there was like a mold problem in his house. So he was having like health effects from that. 
And then he moved, he was in like non Seattle area, Washington. So his level of competition wasn't super high, but he was like dominating an AAU against the best players. And he was dominating the like local Washington stuff. So he moved to a really good prep school. He was really good there. And then um, he wanted to enter the NBA draft. So one thing with us is like recently we've been having a lot new, a lot of the, a lot of like new pathways to getting the NBA. So there's like the overtime elite league. You can go overseas and play in Europe. You can play in the G League Ignite thing. So there's a lot of different pathways. One of the ones is like you can just train with like a former NBA trainers. We'll just train guys out like straight out of high school, just train for a year and then go in the draft. Um, so he wanted to do that. So there was an NBA strength and conditioning coach that like started this training thing and he did that for a few weeks and then COVID happened. So then all of a sudden that got canceled. So then he just had nothing oh. to do which was really, really unfortunate for him. So then he had to move back home and he started playing. He, he wasn't sure if he could play D1 because he had a bunch of offers, but he wasn't sure because he wasn't sure if he still had his amateur status because of what he did. But then he could play at the local JUCO. So he played in JUCO for a year. Um, he averaged like 40 points, 15 rebounds and five assists in JUCO over like 10 games. Um, and then he went to the G League Ignite this year. So he was the first guy. He's going to be 21. So he was the first guy who was like not straight out of high school to go to the G League Ignite. He averaged like 15 points, seven rebounds. was pretty productive in the G League. So, I mean, it's just like he's never really had a, a solid like situation, never had any consistency where he can kind of just focus on basketball and grow up until like this year, really. And then he is like pretty good athlete. He's like six, six and a half, maybe six, seven, 200 pounds. Um, he's got like a strong frame. He's really quick. And he's just a really smart player good defender, like great passer. And I think like a lot of those shooting indicators we talked about earlier, like the floaters and the mid range pull-ups really good on those. So, I mean, the big holdup is a three point shot, but he shot it like above average in high school. And then he has really good indicators right now. So it kind of feels like he'll translate. And also he's just an elite finisher at the rim. He shot like 70% at the rim at six, six, which is unheard of in the G league. That is cool. Yeah, that is cool about NBA scouting that like all of these all of these things can like you've got to pay attention to like the most random guys from the most random places. How do you feel about Shaden Sharp then? Because he's not played very much basketball recently, which makes it hard. To- <laughs> no, he has not. Um, I mean, Shaden's interesting. I definitely don't buy into the whole. I have him like in the mid late lotto area. I think so. The big thing with Shaden is like. People, he he reclassified up a year. So he was the number one recruit in next year's class. And then he reclassified up. So people are like, oh, next year's class is stronger. And he was ranked number one. So obviously this class, which isn't as good, he should go to the top, right? But that's like, he's like the most Mickey Mouse, like fraudulent number one high school <laughs> player ever. Like, So first of all, there's a guy in France, Victor Wembanyama, who is yeah, seven yeah. four, the seven eight wingspan. That's the number one guy next year. That's the generational <laughs> prospect. So he's not as good as him. Scoot Henderson was ranked ahead of him, but he reclassed up as a junior to go play in the G League for two years. So he got removed from the high school rankings, but he was ahead of him. Then Amen and Alsar Thompson, they're these two twins that are like freak athletes. They both went to the overtime elite league, so they got removed from the high school rankings. Jalen Duran, who went to Memphis and was in this year's draft, he reclassed up a year to go play at Memphis. So it's like all these other guys were like better than him. But since they all like moved to other things, it was just like, Shaden kind of was really, he just got really hot at the right time when everyone left and they needed to put someone number one. And so he got put up in this number one ranking. So I think in terms of like what he does, he's like a really good shooter and he's a really good jumper and he's a pretty smart player, but he really struggles to like beat people with his handle. He's not like super bursty or quick. So he's really like kind of a a good, a really athletic jump shooter and like cutter, but I don't really buy him being as good as like top end prospects. I don't think he's like a premier prospect per se. Is there someone that you would label as as the most overrated player in the league or in the draft class? Like oh. you've talked, like maybe Jabari or, or Shaden has some has some flags, but is there someone that you just really don't like that everybody else is high on? This is this is um, your Theo Ash NFL pick right here. <laughs> this is <Okay>. your. <laughs> um, so I'm. I'm going to paraphrase with, I like all the prospects. I like all of them as players. Um, I'm working <laughs> towards my way in a job in the NBA. <laughs> I need to not get bad, bad, uh, bad publicity here. So I don't like, I, I like all the players. I don't dislike anyone, but yes. the one, one player who I, I do think is getting a bit over, over hyped is Benedict Mathurin. Um, the sh- combo, he's a guard, I guess he's a wing from Arizona. Um, 
So I think, uh, again, going back to John Hollinger, he wrote an article uh, with his big board. He had Benedict Mathurin at number five, and he's generally considered like in the top eight. I think there's probably 14 better players. I don't think he should really go in the lotto even. Um, so the thing with Mathurin, he scored a ton of points, but like Hollinger's, basically Hollinger's pitch is kind of explains why I'm on the other side. He said, I think he starts with in mid-tier outcomes, he'll be a $20 million a year value player. And he says he's like a three and D player, right? He's a great shooter. And he's right. Like he's a, he's a great shooter. He can shoot off movement, like, you know, where he's coming off a screen and he can like catch set and shoot right away, which is really valuable. He's a really good shooter and he's a really good athlete, like, you know, dunking, getting above the rim, cutting very good. He's phenomenal out in transition when he like leaks out and stuff. Right. But then it's like his handle and his feel for the game and like his, his passing ability are kind of far behind. So he might only ever be able to be a three and D player is the second paragraph of that. So it's like, it's going to provide 20 million values of three and D player. It's the first paragraph, second paragraph, kind of limited to just being a three and D player. Third paragraph. Also he's athletic, but not currently good at defense. So it's like, <laughs> you're saying a mid tier outcome is 20 million for a three and D player who currently does not do the D part of three and D. Right. <laughs> He's, yes, he's, and also he was listed as six seven all year, and he measured in the combine. He is. I was like, he's not six seven because one of his teammates was a six seven, and everyone's like, no, no, he's just as he's six four, like six four and a half without shoes. So I mean, it's like a six four super athletic shooter, which is not like okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's not really a good defender. He doesn't really dribble. He doesn't really create right. shots. So it's like he's. Fine. I feel like yeah, that's definitely but like the baseline of like top five pick. That's like the baseline of being in the NBA, like very athletic, <laughs> six foot four. Can't yeah. Once again, big thanks to Chip Jones coming on, being our NBA draft expert for today's episode. And I'm going to throw it over to Matt for the weather. <laughs> All right, sports fans. Have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this. And I think you'll love it too. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS operator and offers every player and stat category you can think of. Pick two to five players and an over slash under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. And it also allows mixed sport entries. Now, it's a little tough right now because there aren't several sports. <laughs> baseball <going>. fans, this <laughs> one's baseball fans, this one's for you. So. I guess hockey as well. But the avalanche over on goals and you're going to hit bang, done. And and easy. some other baseball bet. And you could do both at the same time, which is sick. <laughs> Users that deposit and use our promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit and match up to $100. Just be to you, sure to use the promo code STAYHOT. That's all caps. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com today and use promo code STAYHOT. Or go to the app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made extraordinarily easy. Do you guys want to talk about? I had a oh. I had a baseball player already. I was going to say Ronald Acuna Jr. He was always ready with the baseball. He's player. a baseball. I know. I know dozens. <laughs> dozens. I know dozens of baseball players. <laughs> That's more than I know. We know <laughs> more than Matt knows too. I guess. I guess I'm our resident baseball expert. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. I know the Yankees are the best team. I, Yankees are the best team in baseball right now. The Lightning are not the best team in hockey, but they're in the championship like they have been like most of the last couple of years. The Warriors just won the finals. And who just won the Super Bowl? The Rams. I guess they're not really a perennial powerhouse, but you know, we're one Patriots or Packers Super Bowl away from just all the favorites being in power. Lame. 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 <laughs> it is a little lame, but you know, I don't know. Like I said before, and I guess this goes into our finals conversation, I don't mind dynasties. I think that it's good to have a defining team of a decade. I think it's good to have a defining team of an era. And the Warriors being that and and winning a title before and after KD and, and all that, I, I don't mind it. It didn't make me angry as, as some people, oh, the Warriors won again. I don't mind it as long as they're not winning with KD. That's what really made me mad because I like knew it was happening before the season even started. But this year, I thought a bunch of teams had a shot. If the Warriors win the whole thing, you know, congrats to them. That's that's kind of where I stand. I, I think it's good to have a defining team of a decade like that. Yeah, it it gets it. I I guess it becomes a problem when you have like 
the Patriots where they were the defining team for two decades. And it's just like, and I know they didn't win the Super Bowl every year, but it was just like, they were always, they were always right. good. I, I don't think if I could go back and change that, I would. As much as I'd rather have it be the Packers. Maybe I would change it to being the Packers. <laughs> but the Belichick-Brady, I mean, that's what makes sports legendary. And that's what makes it worth talking about. It's like, you know, uh, people know. like it. I swear. Like I, 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 I don't mind it, but I'm not sitting here like I'm. I'm appreciating this greatness while I can. It's just, <laughs> that stuff always gets me a little bit. They're great, you know, pre- shout out to them, congrats. It. But if the Celtics had won, I would have been like, damn it. No. <laughs> not the, not the, no, dance. I mean, it would have been cool if the Celtics won as well, but I'm not like, I watched this entire NBA season only for the Warriors to win a game, <laughs> uh, win again. I want my money back. I can't believe I wasted my time. No, look. You're going to go to your cable look. company and be like, give me my my NBA subscription. Ah, what a waste of a season. I had to watch Steph win again. I don't I don't think that way, man. And, you know, I, I think it's good. I do appreciate, like, what we're watching in, in Steph and and Kerr and Draymond and, and, I mean, Clay. I mean, not even this finals because there wasn't even, like, a banner series from those guys. Although Draymond was quick to retweet some stats about how well Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown shot while he was on defense. But I, I mean, Curry was a top 10 player for me already. I think just talking about legacies and what this means for everybody. I think he was just such a, such a franchise, an era defining player, a basketball shaping player, um, an offensive powerhouse and just the greatest score we've ever seen with all these rings and two MVPs. Like to me, like I don't think it's crazy to discuss him just with how much he changed the game and how much he defines this era, putting him as one of the more influential players in NBA history. I, I, I had him top 10 before this, um, the finals MVP, like obviously that accolade matters a lot to some people, but to me, it didn't even really, and uh yeah i mean i've always been a little bit of a steph fan more than former steph curry hater matt spawnauer over here and and bladen i'm not a steph curry i'm not a steph curry hater. until two years ago nah. <laughs> come on but, uh, <laughs> uh but anyway no, i mean on our consensus on our consensus rankings you know the top 10 has steph curry in it so like he's he's now in that tier below mj lebron and kareem for sure, undoubtedly, with about yeah. eight or nine other guys. That's how I'm looking at it. I think that's fair. Like, if you look at the consensus, it's it's yes. MJ, LeBron, Kareem at top three. Then you have Magic, Shaq, Kobe, Larry Bird, Tim Duncan, Wilt, and then Steph Curry. And those guys are Does probably that put Steph at 10? Yeah, they put Steph at 10. Okay, I don't hate that ranking. At, I mean, I don't hate that top 10, but I think Steph is there. I, I already had him there. I would even put him yeah. maybe a little bit higher than that on my personal one, but it's not much. It's like nine or eight probably for me. I, I've said that he's the GOAT point guard, which makes it tough uh, because Magic John- that also makes me put Magic Johnson a little bit lower than someone, but I don't know. I just think like he's just such a, a world beater. I, I, I if I could build a team around any point guard, any era, I would, I would take Steph and I'm not even like an old team, like an old player, like hater. I have Wilt as the goat center. So, or actually, no, I don't. I have Kareem as the goat center, but I have Wilt number two. So I don't know. I just think I hold Steph in a very, very high regard already. I mean, but, I mean Matt, I know you don't hold him in such a high regard and you, you think he needed this finals to you did. get top 10. He did. I think so, 100%. Well, was, it the, finals, I, or was he, it the finals MVP that he needed? He needed saying. to be undoubtedly the best player in a final series. To be top 10 all time? Yeah, he did. He um, was in 2015. No, he Don't wasn't. Don't care. He was nope. undoubtedly he was, he the was best. Not, yes, he no, was. he was not. Yeah. No, he wasn't. LeBron was easily. Not even a debate. Well, and you, well, well, LeBron was the best player in basketball. Well, LeBron was the best. but He was the best player in that Steph series. Steph was the best player on a team that won the finals. Right. He just needed to be the best player, player on like, a team in the that series. Won the finals. That's why he didn't win the award is because okay. they didn't want him to give it. I'm telling you. 
<laughs> they wanted maybe to you could argue in 2019 he was or you can argue that in 2017 or 2018 like his impact was more and i probably like than katie's and like i probably would agree with you but i think to like clearly be the best player and there's not a debate about it he's going out and doing like i think that is huge for him um and it, it makes it he would have been again he would have been the only top 10 player who was like not a strong defender he would have been the only top 10 player who didn't have a finals mvp um, so it's nice to see him, you know, get one of those. And now he's solidly top 10. So we can all agree that yes. for the question of the day, where does Curry rank all time? He's at the very least top 10. Probably bottom like eight in the eight to 10 range. I agree. That maybe this, maybe if you're really, really optimistic, the like five to 10, the, the back half of the top 10, that's probably okay. where he ranks. I agree. All time. That's fair. I can get behind that. And that's what this finals was really about. It's not even really about the Warriors. Oh, yeah. It's not I mean, about the rest of the Warriors. It's just about My Curry. timeline was just like, congratulations, <laughs> Steph Curry, after the Warriors <laughs> ended up winning. Yeah. I think we talked about a couple episodes ago, like, what does Poole think about more, the rings or the money? And after the finals, he went to Wiggins and he recorded a video and he's like, we're about to get a bag. We're about to get a bag. That's who he was chanting after winning the finals. So I think that kind of answers that question. <laughs> um, pool parties all summer. So, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see how the Warriors keep this core together. I personally, would you bet on them to repeat out of the West next year? Yeah, they got to be the betting favorites, go- right? Yeah, there's too many questions okay. about other teams. I mean, are you going to... I guess if you if you wanted to say that you had the Clippers, I could get behind that. That's what I think. That's I what think I'm going I think with. Clippers are the take. other team, but I'd say I would say that I wouldn't bet on Kawhi Leonard health. So I would say that yes, the Warriors are the betting favorites to come out of the West again. The Clippers, I understand. Everybody else, I think there's definitely some other good contenders, but probably not that guys that you, you at least want to see before you say, yeah, they're going to be the favorites to come out of the West. And what about the Celtics? How do you feel about them not next great. year? Do you think they'll be, I you know? This, I think this okay. is their chance. I think they kind of blew it. Their offense stinks. And <laughs> they could they could be better than this. They could. Um, offensively, they just don't yeah. do much, dude. It's just it's so lame. And it doesn't have to be like that. And it's not a personnel thing, so maybe I am high on them. But it's not great right now. That's Clearly, not awesome. you're not. <laughs> yeah. I, I, if, if, I, think, I think Tatum still has some pretty serious growth to, to be doing. I think we've seen some takes where it's like, well, Tatum cannot be the best player on a finals team. And I think that seems harsh to say that right after they lost. But, I mean, I kind of agree with it. I, I kind of agree with, like, this current version of Tatum. If he doesn't show growth, we talked about it with Chip and how he was like, Tatum is a guy who relies very much on the jump shots and isn't an elite finisher for a player of his stature and a player of his caliber. And I think that he needs to grow that area of the game before he can be someone who is the best player on a finals team. I mean, you look at the finals MVPs these past couple of years and, you know, the guys who win these finals, they've, they're world beaters, they're Giannis, right. they're LeBron, they're KD, they're Curry. And it's just like Tatum is not quite on that level and almost no one is, but you look at the young guys who are, I think like Luca comes to mind, Jokic comes to mind, uh, Giannis still comes to mind. Like, Tatum to me isn't quite in that tier yet, and I think he needs to get better as a as a finisher before he is. So, and he's twenty. What he's not nineteen anymore. So we'll yeah. see how much growing he has to do in that well, area. I mean, but and he yeah, also has to I get better at moving the take. ball because a lot of the it's, ball it's the that, whole Celtics yeah. too. It's actually Tatum. Actually, I thought did his best. The Celtics, ju- their offense is just sucks, and they don't do much on offense. Yeah. He was better than Jalen Brown at playmaking. I mean, yeah, Jesus. I mean, okay, so fair enough. <laughs> you could, I, I could say this. Like, they could totally. Maybe I shouldn't be low on them because hypothetically, like, they can come out with a, like a more complex, 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 involved offense with the exact same players, and I think they could be right back. But. To, yeah. So to make the finals, you need some breaks. You need to win the close ones. And they, you know, they got over the Bucks with an injury and they got that in seven and they beat the Heat in seven. And doing all that just to lose in the finals because your offense is just collapses 50% of the time. 
that's a weak right. way to go out. If you're going to lose the finals, lose it because you're not like talented enough. It's not a talent thing with the Celtics. <laughs> it was a <laughs> if you're going to lose, poorly coached, poor off. I don't know. Lose because yeah, you no, suck. If you're going to lose, the, the East was so close this year too, right? Like right. The, the Heat, the one seed, and like the the six right. or seven or eight seed was like not separated by much. So. Coming out of this year's East, I mean, could have gone a lot of different directions. And you saw that because the Celtics had to win two game sevens to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, like, you could say, like, oh, the Celtics could get better if they do this and this. But every team in the East is thinking the same thing. Like, the Bucks right. are just saying, we win that series easily if Middleton is healthy. Right. The, the right. Heat are saying, we've got all these, like, we just need to make a trade and get some higher level, some more potency on offense. And... The, the the Raptors are saying, let's see if we can get a star and, and like a true one and see if Scott or maybe Scotty will develop into that. So everybody has all these these things that are like, if this, we can win the East. To bet on a repeat winner of the East in this East, I think is a silly one. I don't think the Celtics will be back next year. And that's I think it'll be Bucks Clippers. That's my that's my I like that take. Finals prediction. I like that take early on. We st- I, I do want to see what teams do, but um you can see the defense with both those teams. You can see they have the all-time great player, and you're projecting a little bit of like, hey, maybe it'll be different. So I, I like the take. I, I, I would agree. Um, it's just it is disappointing if you're a Celtics fan to know that he, it's so hard to get through that East and to blow it on throwing the ball to the other right. team half your possessions. All the turnovers. Oh my god, dude! I don't. I have never seen a team in the finals just turn the ball over like that. That maybe wasn't like just completely. There's been a couple finals teams that have maybe been a disaster because they got so hurt, but not not the Celtics. No, they just. Yeah, free Robert 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 could not hang out to the basket. (laughs) It's like that sloppy. Lamelo would never. (laughs) The Hornets win the Hornets fifty games next year. Do you still think the Hornets are winning fifty games next year? Now I, that I, I, I think the Hornets, I think the Hornets can win fifty games next year, depending on what happens at center. <laughs> I'm sticking by my guns. Okay. Kenny Atkinson can go to hell. Um, <laughs> screw that. Guy. Yeah, screw that guy. I see people trying to defend him. It's like, well, you know, he leveraged his situation. You got to respect it. No, I do not. Actually, not at all. <laughs> um, and people yeah, you had all, a deal in place and you you went out on it you're a you're a grown man it's a team that, yeah i'm you know he can back out on the deal yeah he can back out on the deal but i'm still valid in not liking him he's allowed to do it but i don't have to like <laughs> yeah. him for it and yeah. what really bothers me about it is not not getting him as head coach even though i was excited for him it's it's them how people talk about the horn. It's like he saw Miles Bridges with the pink lemonade. <laughs> he saw he saw Montrez Harrell, and he said, "I'm out of there." People blaming it on Michael Jordan. Like, who do you think? Who did he think the owner was? Did he like randomly <laughs> realize this? Like, obviously, that's not what happened. So, hearing all those jokes has been really tough for me in the last yeah, twenty four I mean, hours. It's definitely because they. It's definitely because they won a ring. Like he just won a ring with the Warriors and thought, I like winning <laughs> yeah. rings. It's because he's like, I can here. be the assistant right? coach it's- here and win rings and be in California. I think I'm going to do that actually. <laughs> As opposed to go to Charlotte. I think and- that's. <laughs> and I, I understand yeah, that, but I, I wish he had more to do. us over. Yeah. Like well, there's still some good coaching. It's not like Dan Tony got hired to be somewhere right. else or, or Quinn I would Snyder. very much. It's yeah. not like, oh my God, we're totally totally left out to dry whereas like there's no good coaching candidates left right now so hornets are still in a, a decent spot like that but matt you you, know, you, you should apply to be the up. hornets coach i'm going to man i got a good shot you, but i thought chip had some pretty good ideas we'll, we'll put a good word in put yeah. a good word in for him just make things easy not, and oh, yeah. things easy. you know get a center you guys can co-coach. Co- I wonder if we'll ever see that. Co-coaches. Co-coaches. Uh, we kind of already do. Never I mean, mind. Like, I'm just right. In the NFL, we have, we have like coordinators and shit. <laughs> like, I was, that's kind of the Unless same thing. Unless you're the New England Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny that they don't have a, they don't have coordinators, the Patriots. No, that's, well, I mean, they, ha- they kind of have an offensive coordinator. Kind of. Who is it? It was, uh, um, what's his face? Over the past, like he was supposed to go to the Colts last year, um, McDaniel's. Yeah, McDaniel. 
Well, he's the head coach at the Las Vegas Raiders right now. Right now but so. that's what I'm saying. Like the Patriots used, they did, but now. Right. But they, they no longer do. <laughs> they have no coordinator. It's just Belichick. <laughs> yes. Maybe. It's just Belichick and his, um, and his maybe, kids. Yeah. And his kids. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see anyway i don't know how this yeah. got to the page but, Let's yeah that's pretty much it for us we'll be back what's to what's today uh sunday so monday episode we'll be back friday or no thursday uh with another episode i i've got my days all messed up happy father's day to all you dads out there i don't know how many dads watch our podcast but if you know if you're a dad sure, and you watch stay hot happy father's day to you um, you know, if you're not a dad, happy Father's Day to Joe Burrow. Happy Father's Day to Joe. Thanks, Dad. Um, uh, hopefully, I saw a tweet uh, like Mika Fitzpatrick should wish Nick Chubb a happy Father's Day. Um, and uh, so, no, but make sure you wish your dad a happy Father's Day. I'm going to go take mine out to dinner here later. But uh, yeah, hope everyone has a wonderful day. Tons and tons of content coming away on all platforms. And as always, from Corn Boy, Bird Boy, and Lemon Boy, we will catch you all on the flippity flop. What's up, everyone? I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I know you trust us with your sports content. So Blue Wire now has a new podcast called Don't Trip, where they give sex, relationship, and dating advice. So make sure you hit the link in the description and subscribe for Don't Trip's hilarious and insightful content.